This Week in HPC. HPC Advisory Council in Switzerland. And Google offers machine learning for the masses. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. And This Week in HPC is brought to you in partnership with our friends at top500.org. Michael, we had another big week in HPC this week, and I'm just back from Switzerland. Yeah, another great conference there. I've been to that conference in Switzerland with the HPC Advisory Council. Beautiful setting, and as always, it sounds like an interesting agenda and uh, and meeting there. Boy, you're not kidding about beautiful setting. Lugano, Switzerland, uh, for any of you who have never been to this conference or been to Lugano for another reason, in the Swiss Alps, uh, just north of uh, Milan, Italy, it, it is a, a stunning sight. And there were some nice outings, including a funicular ride up to the top of the mountain for dinner. You get the views all around. It's uh, pre- pretty great. But aside from that, they've built this version of the uh, HPC Advisory Council workshops out into a three-day event. They've added a lot of technical content and tutorials. Uh, they've got uh, gold-level sponsors from CSCS, Huawei, IBM, Intel, NVIDIA, Mellanox, Seagate. So a lot of participation in a three-day event for the HPC Advisory Council. And for me, the most interesting uh, addition this year was a, a keynote from Callista Redmond of IBM, but more pertinently, who's now the uh, president of the Open Power Foundation. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about open power quite a bit over the last uh, year, actually, uh, two or three years. Um, it's nice to see them getting out and, and talking to the community like this, of course. And, uh, you know, they foresee, obviously, big things ahead. What what are some of the things uh, Callista put on the table there? Yeah, you can, you know, Rich Bruckner captured video of uh, the most, if not all, the presentations, and you can visit Inside HPC for those. But Callista was, uh, you know, showing a lot of the momentum with Open Power. They've added partner after partner, showing tons of momentum there. And they also had a presentation later in the week about the, the Coral pre-exascale systems, uh, the run-up to there. Uh, so it, it's nice to see a lot of the momentum there. Uh, interesting for me because you know we've got this whole study on processor architectures for HPC. We know how people are evaluating those, and that 88% of HPC users are projecting that they'll start uh, supporting multiple processor architectures to support their different workloads going into the future, which opens a big opportunity for open power. I think up until this point, we've seen all the momentum you'd like to see for open power. But what'll be nice to see over the rest of the year is if they can start announcing some ordinary HPC wins from across the industry, start building market share, not just talk about Coral in the future, but you know, give us some university or some company who's now installing open power systems. Right. I, th- I think that's what's missing from the open power story to date. I mean, they've built, like you said, they've built this foundation of members and talked about, you know, all the advantages and, and the synergy that, that's going to occur here. But um, except for Coral, as, as a big announcement, they, they really haven't delved into, you know, the mainstream HPC customers that uh, you would expect if, if it's going to, if this technology and, and this model is going to get some traction. So, yeah, it's something we're going to have to look forward to, but um, it's still missing from their story, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, I don't think we 
have to wait very long necessarily. I did get the sense that if anything, they might be withholding any any news that they might have for their own open power summit, which of course takes place in uh, just under two weeks, together with the Nvidia GTC, uh, the GPU Technology Conference. The Open Power Summit will be going on at the same time. So if they did have any big announcements, I think it'd be a lot more likely that they would hold them two weeks and do it there rather than at the HPC Advisory Council. Right, that's true. Yeah, if if there are some announcements on on that line, yeah, that would be a, the logical place to put it. And uh, yeah, that's just coming up in, like you said, a few weeks, and then we'll see. We'll hear what they have to say. Now, of course, that was only one part of what was going on at the HPC Advisory Council, and we saw some recurring themes. There's been a lot on machine learning, uh, and uh, there was a two-part tutorial on deep learning from uh, the Swiss Italian University or Università della Svizzera Italiana. Uh, that was on the first day. There were other tutorials on um, on easy build and on uh uh, on uh, OpenStack. Uh, there's a lot of content on containers. Um, it was funny. I took note that it was a year ago at that same conference that I first ever got asked a question about containers. That was the first time in my professional career as an analyst anyone ever asked me about containers. Then a couple months after that at ISC, I felt like everyone was asking about containers. And a few months after that at supercomputing, everyone was telling us about containers. And now here we are full circle back around to Lugano and containers were a, a major theme of the entire conference. Yeah, it is amazing how fast that topic has, has, has come to the fore. I mean, containers and, and machine learning, I mean, you can look at both of those and, and see, you know, those are two very hot button topics that you've seen, uh, you know, basically appear at any conference that, that we're associated with over the last couple of years. So, uh, not surprising to see them at the advisory council meeting. Uh, but that's not all that was there. I mean, you actually gave your own presentation, too. You uh, kind of wrapped up some of the things we're we're thinking about and working on, right? I did, and I reprised the presentation that I'd given at the HPC Advisory Council at Stanford a few weeks prior, um, mostly because they included some really important themes for us that we felt were important to, to repeat in multiple geographies. First of all, looking at that uh, processor architecture study and the importance of the evaluation of these different processor architectures for HPC, so we touched on that. But then the dominant theme of my presentation and of a lot of the other presentations throughout the HPCAC meeting was the concept of hyperscale, uh, which got touched on. We mentioned in machine learning and deep learning, but but also we get uh, you know these large scale installations uh, from the Googles and Facebooks and Microsofts and Amazons of the world down through the second and third tier of uh, you know the, your your Netflixes and Wikipedias and other people who have these hyperscale application infrastructures. Talking about how we're viewing that market and setting up our own new hyperscale advisory service, especially with deep learning and machine learning being a, a major topic that, that people want to talk about. That's going to be a major thrust of our research for the rest of this year. Well, that segues us pretty cleanly into our second uh, story of the week, and that's about uh, what Google did at its inaugural uh, Cloud Next conference this week, uh, actually just a couple days ago on uh, on Wednesday, and they, they hosted this uh, Cloud Developer conference in the in San Francisco, and they talked a lot about uh, obviously their their cloud offerings. But one of the things they focused on was machine learning and how they're sort of upgrading that whole capacity uh, to offer more machine learning capabilities. 
capability, uh, not just internally, but for the wider user community, not uh, for enterprises and, and other types of users. You know, this is a very interesting topic to me, Michael, because I, you know, I know we've talked about machine learning on this podcast a lot recently, including Google, and we were talking about AlphaGo. We talked about the Open Compute Project. We've talked about uh, the Scorpio Project. We've hit a lot of these hyperscale topics on this podcast. But with respect to machine learning, which is such a popular uh, uh, question or area right now, the thing is, it's actually been relatively small thus far. It's been really the hyperscale companies that have led the way in right. deep learning research. We talk about Google and Baidu, Microsoft, Facebook. Those four, well, and IBM with Watson have probably done the most. Those five have done the most with deep learning, machine learning, artificial intelligence. But they've been relatively small applications. Although they show a lot of potential, there hasn't been a lot of dedicated spending up to this point that you could track that's specific to machine learning. If you thought about, all right, Google is huge, but on a per core hour basis, how much of the overall Google hyperscale infrastructure gets dedicated to machine learning right. in a given day? It's, it's been small, and we haven't seen it creep out much yet so far to the traditional HPC workload uh, or, or traditional HPC user space, although we see the potential for it. Now, what we have with this story is uh, the first implementation I've seen where Google is now saying, all right, we can take this, marry it with cloud, and offer it as a cloud service out to other types of users who can then use the Google Cloud for their own machine learning types of applications. Right, exactly. I mean, the, the sort of the small size of machine learning to date has basically been because the machine learning has sort of been internal projects for these large companies. I mean, they, they're they're big efforts, but they're within Amazon, they're within Google, they're within Baidu. Um, this opens it up to a much wider community uh, and, and and does so in, in such a way that you don't have to be necessarily even machine learning expert to, to access some of these capabilities. In other words, they have basically a machine learning cloud tool, the cloud machine learning tool, which lets you uh, basically get in and, and start using some of these capabilities at a much higher level than you would otherwise need to do. And they're also offering a bunch of APIs and a bunch of specific domains like language and audio and, and, and other things that uh, will let you access some of the uh, speech capabilities, for example, for machine learning to do uh, specific types of, of, of applications. Um, so it's it's something that they're, they're trying to push to differentiate themselves from the Amazons and the Microsofts uh, of the world uh, and, and get sort of into this on the bottom floor and make a name for themselves in this in this space because they see a very big market for this. It is a small market now, like you said, but the upside is huge, and they're they're seeing a big growth potential here, and that's why they've I think they've made this investment. Yeah, and and it's extremely relevant to listeners of this podcast because although we've established that hyperscale and HPC are two different markets, they're proximity markets. They have some things in common, but the hyperscale market and the HPC market are different in various ways. There are nevertheless ways that they influence each other, and if we start looking at a list of ways 
ways that the hyperscale market will have an influence on HPC, machine learning is probably top of the list. There are others that we've talked about. Uh, there's a software influence, particularly with standards like OpenStack. We've seen things like the Square Kilometer Array Project running with an OpenStack foundation of software. I think that's a big deal. Programming languages, I think, over time, uh, you could see a, an impact there as much as HPC has been entrenched in C, C++, Fortran. Uh, and we haven't seen other upstart programming languages really, uh, you know, they're in the mix, but they, they haven't displaced the others that much. Now we see Go as a, a parallel programming language out of Google that, um, you know, hardcore HPC users are starting to experiment with. And I wonder whether that's another touch point there where you could see hyperscale having an influence in HPC. But I think machine learning is the clear one where uh, there is a, a deep tie into HPC technologies and potentially to HPC users. It's really worthwhile to track that migration, see how it takes place. Right. I think HPC users is is going to be especially interesting because what they're what they're offering here is is sort of a new capability that will draw sort of some future users. In other words, people that think of of newer types of applications that would normally go to an HPC system, an in-house system, a supercomputer, but now you would sort of have the the capability to do that with this 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 cloud uh, environment and in such a way that it would actually make development easier. So rather than building, designing a whole set of uh, applications or an application for a supercomputer, you would rather use something that's that's already been developed and is and is in more widespread use and maybe is more standardized uh, to do it much much more cheaply. At least uh, that's sort of the rationale behind this. So, yeah, to follow the vendors and the users and how Google is uh, sort of. Uh, sort of interfacing with the HPC community is, is going to be very interesting. And I think this machine learning push is going to make it uh, much more so. Well, Michael, one more quick topic before we wrap up this week in HPC. We'd be delinquent if we didn't mention the passing of Andy Grove, who is a well-known name throughout the technology industry and for high-performance computing in particular. Yeah, I mean, Andy is, is an icon in the industry, and he, yeah, he, uh, he died this week. Uh, unfortunately, he was Intel's president uh, in 1979, CEO in 87, but actually he wasn't a founder, but he basically started when Intel started. Uh, he was one of the early hires and one of the drivers of the uh, of the company in its early years. He basically uh, was the person responsible for moving Intel's focus from um, memory chips and, and that sort of business into the microprocessor realm where he saw there was a much bigger upside. And that basically was Intel's claim to fame and how it became a, a consumer brand in the PC market and then beyond in the years ahead. So, a uh, very important guy, and he, uh, he basically put Intel on the map. Yeah, Andy Grove, uh, absolutely somebody that we always talked about is uh, is one of the one of the the forefathers of of a lot of uh, the advanced computing and and had a lot to do with the evolution of Intel. We see Intel processors at the heart of the vast majority of HPC systems. As much as we started talking about open power, let's let's remember that Intel architectures are, are currently the dominant here, and a lot of that goes back to to Andy. 
Grove and his contributions to the industry. So Andy Grove passed away this past week in Los Altos, California, at the age of 79. Uh, he'll be missed uh, by not just the HPC industry, but uh, the, the, the entire IT world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that'll wrap it up for another week in HPC. Michael, thank you very much. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, to another week. We've got the GPU Technology Conference ahead, not this week, but the week after that, as well as a very busy week with GPU Technology Conference, Open Power Summit, HPC on Wall Street, BioIT World. I'll be seeing the U.S. Council on Competitiveness. we got a, a lot of news coming up ahead, and I think some of it will start trickling out in advance uh, next week. But for now... Uh, That'll wrap up another episode. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 